I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on extra point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Welcome in to another edition of Reed's Ranch. Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. It's January 6th. It's 3.30-ish p.m. What's up, Seth Hughes? I lost you. I said, what's up, Seth Hughes? <laughs> Not much, John. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. It's a good day to be here. Good day to talk to you. The sun is shining. We got a good old-fashioned coup going on right now. <laughs> yeah. I got my Titans playoff tickets. Oh, you did get them good. Yep, was able to get some Titans playoff tickets. Um, did you have to buy them third party, or did you get them no, through I did your not. PSL? No, I, I was able to get them through PSL. They were they released some more yesterday, which was nice. What does PSL I, I even people, stand for? Personal seat license. Ah, okay. Good. I'm glad. It's, yeah, it's essentially like you know what you, you you stay in your same seats for donations at UT. Yeah. Which keep in mind you're still gonna pay for yours during this shitty off season and shitty season. But you just have to pay the PSL for the professional team once. But I was really pissed because I didn't get any tickets, like any lower-level regular season tickets, and then I didn't get any first-round of playoff tickets. So I was mad, but then they, they opened more up yesterday, and I was able to get some, which was actually worked out in my favor because some people that were later got uppers on the first round, so I was able to get lower, so that's cool. So I'm happy. Like I said, we got a good coup. I got CNN on the background. We got people rushing the state capitol building. You know, if they would have just put a rock out there in front of that, those people could have just painted it. They could just painted it. And just said things like, you know, stop the steal, MAGA. They could have put all that stuff out there and saved all this trouble. Maybe the capitol building should consider putting rocks out there. I did see a man in a Viking hat in the, uh, I guess he was in the Senate chamber. It was a tremendous, tremendous picture. <laughs> In a Viking, in a Viking hat. <laughs> yeah, uh, like you mean like a, the Minnesota Vikings, where he had like a fucking horns on his head. Oh, I'm gonna post the picture in the Discord. He had, he had like the, he had like a horns on his head. But it's just a tremendous photo. It's, it's just, it's surreal to see all this. To be honest, yes, it is. It is very surreal. Oh yeah, okay. I see the Vikings hat with uh, face paint, red, white, and blue. How many, uh, I meant to, I wanted to ask you how many people the Titans are letting into the stadium Sunday? I think we're the most in the entire weekend. Okay. Go figure, Tennessee, uh, open it up more than others. We're allowing 20% capacity, so I think there will roughly be 12,000 people. Okay, good. I mean, just, I, I think they, you know, hold close to 60, so 20% of that would be close to 12,000. So that should be the best home field advantage, at least numbers-wise, of any NFL team this weekend. Yes, I am admittedly a little surprised that the Ravens opened up three-and-a-half-point favorites. I know it's gone down to three. It might have gone down even further. I am surprised by that. I was surprised, too, to be honest. I, I figured it would be close to a pick, just a good old-fashioned pick em. Yeah, that just seems um, it's gone back up to three-and-a-half. That just seems like a lot of love. I know they've won, what, five straight? Yeah, yeah I, know, I, know, I know they're playing well. Um, yeah, playing great. A lot of those games they won were against really bad teams. Sure. So it just seems like a little too much love for the Ravens. You know, they won five in a row. Good for them. Um, but, you know, until Lamar Jackson wins a playoff game, he will be he will be Lamar Antetokounmpo as far as I'm concerned. So not worried about him. Honestly, I think it's the best matchup for the Titans because, you know, our secondary has been kind of shitty, so they can't throw the ball. So... I like that matchup. And, that is true. You know, we kind of got a, a mental edge over them. Yeah. We're more physical than them. We'll punk them. Yeah. Either way, I digress. What's going on in your life? Anything? Uh, well, 
That basketball game over the weekend was pretty maddening. Okay, let's talk about it. Tennessee got their ass kicked by Alabama. Yep. Um, I mean, I we said on the podcast. I know I said on the podcast. Like the the I had like the the one glaring issue to like. I I really had two questions about the team. One was they're not that great of a shooting team. And two, it was when you have to have a bucket, who is going to go and get it? It's nice to have guys that are all going to score 9 to 15 points every night out, but when you have to go get a bucket, who is going to go get it? And we still don't know that answer. Um, We saw what happens when the team goes ice cold. They could not hit the broadside of a barn. I mean, they just, it was a pitiful shooting effort. I mean, all that being said, like, what made me angrier than anything was sitting pawns for so long. You got to trust him not to foul a third time. You just have to. And that's what worries me because that's what Barnes has done throughout his career. He and like that, that, that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't, I just like, we should not expect or hope that Rick Barnes is going to change. He is not. I would be stunned if he change, if he changes. He has not changed even after the Sweet 16 game. So why would he change now? Like, Pons does not foul. He he does not foul. He had seven fouls in seven games. So the fact that he got two fouls, like, I get taking him out for a second or two. Like, you know, but they... Settle him down say, hey, bro, you got two fouls. You got to do something different. Yeah, take him out. Take him out for just a couple minutes. Like, I get that. I think that would have been the right move. But sit him out for as long as they did is just a travesty. I mean, like, we saw... Like, he single-handedly kept us in the game Saturday. You know, I mean, the defensive performance he had with three fouls, no less, was legendary. It was absolutely tremendous. I mean, I... It was un- it was honestly it was unbelievable what he did Saturday on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Drew Pember should never go into the game bless unless, his heart. Unless it is a blowout. I think that if Bl- Drew Pember bless his heart. I think if he wants to play high level college basketball, it's going to have to be like he's going to have to come a sharpshooter and I don't think it will be at Tennessee. Like I mean, I just, you know, like that to me is just like I like that right there P- Pember got stuffed two separate possessions, right? Two straight possessions at at the at the goal, that's four. That's four points from Pons right there. That's four points. You know, like, um, I mean, it, it, it just boggles the mind that he set him for as long as he did. Like Will said, he played twenty-one minutes. Pons played twenty-one minutes. Well, the scary thing for me is that you know you said it's what Rick Barnes does. It is what he does. And it doesn't look like he's going to change. And if he did intend on changing, that was a good game to just go ahead and do it. Like, I mean, you you have to trust your players to play with fouls. Do it in a January opening weekend of SEC play situation. Let's let Pawns learn how to play with two fouls rather than being in the tournament and maybe that that's when they panic and try to let him play. And who knows if he'll be able to do it. I think he will be, but I'd rather him get practice to find out if he can do it in the regular season. It's just like, it's like I told my dad Saturday night. I was like, Dad, I was like, if you're Rick Barnes, because my dad, of course, like defended Barnes. And I said, Dad, you got 20 games left with him. You got 20 games left. That's it. Like, the time to have a teaching moment the time to prove a point, to teach him a lesson, that was two or three years ago. Like, he is, you have molded him from somebody that didn't even know what the game of basketball was four years ago to an absolute monster now. The time to teach him things is way past. Like, Pons is very intelligent. He is a very, very smart person. Okay, he doesn't need to be told that he only has three fouls left. All due respect to Papa Hughes, who is a big brain, very smart person. But to me, the lesson should be play how to play with two fouls. Exactly. To, yeah, not, like not set out because look, the refs are inconsistent at best in college basketball. They are just downright malicious. At worst, there is going to be a game that really matters where the refs might blow the whistle and call you for a foul. They might do it to you twice, and you might not have fouled either one of those times. 
I think you have to just be prepared to weather that, especially when you're as important as Pons is to this team. I know we're deep. We're nine or ten deep, but I, I think we lost our two most important players in that game against Alabama. I think Springer is our most important offensive player at times, especially for what we needed in terms of shot creating and, and making a shot, getting a basket, being an extra defender out there because I felt like Vescovi and Fulkerson were you know exposed defensively. And that's a big part of my concern. And I also, like, that's another thing I said to Dad. I said, if the offense is going to go to hell that quickly without Springer, because it went to hell in a handbasket immediately, then he needs to be starting. I, 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 like, he needs to be playing a ton of minutes. Like, that's the only other, like, if he's that important, then start his ass. And I know Barnes ain't going to do that either. Now, late in the game, I thought the offense was creating open shots. It's just Tennessee wasn't making any shots, which I, yeah, yeah. I you know, thought you can live with, but at times, you know, it was just really stagnant, and not getting any looks. I mean, and- we, we held them scoreless for four minutes. That's plenty of time to get the game to a one or two possession game, and we cut it to seven. Right. The defense was elite enough. I had tweeted out, "It's time to see if this team will flip the switch." They did defensively, and they completely shut down Alabama. The problem was you had a couple of really big possessions, and at least two of them ended with uh, a Pons 18-foot contested baseline jumper and a Vescovi terrible, awful drive. That, yeah, I, I, I don't thought know what the hell I thought he was doing. I thought every I thought, and let's just I'm just gonna say it like Tennessee basically had four offensive players in the game in the second half because. Josiah just isn't going to shoot. I'll get to that in a second. But I thought all four of those guys pressed on offense. Pons, that shot is the immediately what comes to mind when I think of him pressing. Vescovi and that awful off balance, falling away from the basket drive. I thought Keon pressed a little bit, just trying to create things with Petty on him. And I th- he did well at times. I thought all four offensive players pressed on offense. The defense stepped up for his for as bad as like the ball sw- the the screen switching was in the first half and the second half Tennessee's defense locked down and became what they are which is the best defensive team in the SEC but the I offense- would only I would only stop you there for a second just to say I'm not going to go that far in terms of the defense turning back to one of the best in the country because there was a lot of time Seth where Pons just wiped away uh, a guy a guy a guy burning his guy That's true too Pons, you know, it was a legendary performance. You are right. Like, Pons was protecting the rim, but he was having to protect the rim because a couple of his guys could not stay in front of other people. Yeah. And, you know, like, I have been extremely critical of Josiah James. And since the last time I was critical of him, I thought that he has played really well. And he has had games where he has scored double digits. And I thought he wasn't bad defensively Saturday night. I thought he was pretty good defensively Saturday night. But in a game like that, where Tennessee is stopping them on defense for long stretches of the game and can just get nothing on offense, absolutely nothing on offense. Like, Josiah James has to do something offensively. He has to do something. He will not even shoot the ball. Like, he will not shoot the ball. And so Tennessee was playing four on five on offense. That is a huge problem. Josiah does literally everything else good. Everything else he does, he does really well. He gets a lot of steals, gets a lot of blocks, gets rebounds, assists. Like, he has to do something. Like Will said, he's Courage the Cowardly Dog on offense. Like, we cannot play four on five when Tennessee is without their best offensive player. Tennessee cannot play four on five. He has to do something offensively. He did nothing. Did he even score? I think he had two points. He had two points. How many times did he shoot the ball? It was... I don't know. It wasn't very often, like four or five times, one of four, I think maybe. Like Josiah had really come on in like six ten- times, one of one of six, I believe. Like I was actually coming around on him. Well, look, man, he, I just don't think he's ever going to give you that offensively. I said he's this team's Draymond Green. I mean, I, they don't play the exact same role, but like he's just not going to be somebody you're going to turn to scoring. Can he give you double digit games? Yes, but like it's just going to come when he's wide open. Or, like, the flow is there. Like, he's not going to take over a game. That ship has sailed. It's another five-star in Tennessee's pipeline that just isn't a real five-star. Which, it sucks, but when I look at Tennessee's offensive failures, I would point to other people before I got to him, I guess. 
I would too. Like, I, I would too. I feel like I, I feel like you know I posted it in the game thread, but like I feel like we still still stayed with Fulkerson too much because he was getting shredded on defense, and then he wasn't even giving you the offense you needed either. So like he has to do one of the two. He can't be a liability on both. He can't go three from eight from free throw again. He can't do it. Now that's pitiful. And then yeah, he was he kind of had the aggression, but he was missing the free throws. And when you have a bad free throw shooting stretch go, I imagine he wasn't wanting to get fouled. So it was just a disaster all around. I will say, if you read Will's piece, statsbywill.com, he makes it sound like Arkansas is going to basically do exactly what Alabama t- did to you. They're going to shoot a little less. They're going to shoot less threes, but they're going to be athletic, play five out, and I think this is a big game for Fulkerson to answer because he got punked by Alabama. He got punked by Alabama before the game. You know, I was told that Alabama hung around after the shoot after the shoot around just to kind of heckle Fulkerson as he went through some personal walkthroughs calling him a bitch, saying he's a pussy, things like that. And then they kind of punked him on the court, which then led to Barnes and Kim English challenging Fulkerson. English did it in the locker room after the game, saying we need more from you. you got to be more of a, a man. you got to be a leader. And then in the media, Barnes did the same thing, saying that, you know, Fulkerson's minutes are up for grabs. He went as far to say that. Yeah, I mean, so- Barnes had been had been riding him even in other before this game Barnes had been talking about Fulkerson need more from did he I felt like and I would have to go back and rewatch which I'm not gonna do I felt like the last 10 minutes of the game he didn't even play no he got he got benched and didn't come back in yeah so I thought okay yeah I mean like I Josiah James is not the biggest problem from Saturday I totally agree like Fulkerson was awful he has to play better like there's just no he can't go three of eight from free throw I mean he, he cannot do it you cannot do that now, we know basketball is a long season, one loss, nothing to panic over. I'm not panicked. You know, I do want to see how they answer tonight individually and as a team. I will say, though, that like that was a recipe for how you get beat in March. Correct. That's how you get knocked out of the tournament. And Barnes didn't do anything to stop it. I know his. That's another thing. Okay. This is another thing that drove me crazy during the actual game that I had forgotten about. Tennessee got in the bonus with 10 minutes and 55 seconds left. They never once exploited that. Not once. Nobody wanted to shoot free throws. Everyone was missing them. Look, what, Tennessee still went 17 of 26 from the free throw line. Pons went 3 of 4. Bailey went 8 of 9. I mean, like, it was just Fulkerson that was a black hole. Tennessee missed 9 free throws overall, and he was 5 of them on 8 shots. Like, not once did we exploit that, which just blows my mind. Like, I felt like when I was watching it, Barnes wasn't doing anything to try and win the game, which is like... I just think that in this year, well, I think in general, period, games are too precious to try and say, I'm going to use this as a teaching moment, and hopefully we'll get through it, and we'll win, but if not, you know, it's a good teaching moment. Like, I just think that's, I think that's crazy. Like, I didn't feel like Barnes was doing anything to try and win the game from the very beginning when he put Drew Pember out there. That was a, that was a head scratcher. Like, Pember only played three minutes, but he got stuffed at the rim twice. That's four points from Pons. That's four points from... No disrespect to Drew Pember if he's listening. It's not your fault, Drew. I just, I mean, I just felt like we didn't try to do anything to win the game. Pons went three or four from the free throw line. He only shot four. We were in the bonus with 11 minutes left. I, I know you said everyone else shot pretty good from the free throw line, but there were a couple instances that stood out. There was one, I think, it was a three-point game in the first half, and then Keon Johnson went up there and missed two free throws when we could have put it to five and maybe got ourselves a lead. He only missed one free throw on the day. He only missed one. Okay, maybe it was a, maybe it was a front end of a one-on-one. Maybe that was it. He missed a front end of a one-on-one that uh, you know could have put us up by five. Like Springer went one of two, Keon went two of three, Bailey Bailey shot. I was going to say, Bailey shot well, but he also missed the front end of a one-on-one yep. whenever I think we were down six or seven. Yeah, that was a big miss. That was a big miss. So there were a couple of key instances. Like I said, I think if Keon hits that one in the first half, which that might be nitpicking, but I just remember thinking, okay, we're going to get up five here. Maybe we can pull away a little bit, cover the first half spread for the Discord degenerates, and, you know, be able to withstand an early barrage of threes in the second half. That's no, I, I, rem- I, I remember thinking, like, I remember thinking that Bailey, I remember thinking everyone had shot free throws badly, but in my mind it was Fulkerson and Bailey. And then when I looked at the box score after the game, I saw he was eight of nine, and I was like, damn, I didn't realize – because that one miss stuck out to me in the game. Like, he, he went 0 of 5 from 3. How many times is he going to do that? Like, I know Will posted after the game that, like, 
that game, Tennessee had a 76% chance to win based on like shots taken and such. Like, okay. But like Tennessee is going to go that cold again this year, probably multiple times. I'll do, I'll, I'll do respect to the analytics, but if we post that in March after losing in the round of 32, it's not going to make me feel one bit better. It's not going to make us feel any better. I just thought, more than anything, like, guys played poorly. Okay, that's going to happen. Like, James, like, uh, Vescovi and Bailey combined aren't going to go 3 of 13 from 3. Probably again. All that being said, guys are going to play poorly. My issue was mainly with Barnes. I did not feel like he tried to do anything to win the game. We didn't try to shoot more free throws. We didn't put pawns in the game. Like, I just... Uh, Pember cannot play. Like I'm no, I, Pember. Pember shouldn't get any more minutes. He cannot play, and it's not a slight against him. Like I, I mean, will say, when he was in, I did say, okay, let's see what he's got versus somebody like Uro should have got right off the court. But you just don't have you still don't have a backup big who can play. I mean, Anasiki can go there and give you minutes, but he can't score. He can't do anything other than rebound and and bang. He can bang around, and that's it. Yeah, he can bang. He can bang, but he's not. He's not going to score. And Tennessee needed to find some offense in that first half. And I also thought, I, I you know. Maybe if it Pember's was. Pember's going to be out there, though. He has to be willing to shoot threes. He can't be exactly. passing that shit around. I 100% you, you have agree. To try, stretch the defense, bro. Yeah, if he's going to play, he has to shoot threes like Herb Jones does for Alabama. Now, this by the time this podcast will be up, the you know the uh, Arkansas game will probably already have been played. So hopefully, this sounds just like a drastic overreaction. Hopefully, we're laughing about this and we take care of business and focus on answers and we and we win. And you know, this is just a bump in the road on the way to an SEC championship and a deep tournament run. But it just wasn't a fun experience on Saturday. Let's switch gears to football. You got anything else to say about basketball, Seth? Um, anything no. you can go off your chest? Okay. Well, I, I thought, honestly, like I saw Jaden Springer walking around without a limp on the sidelines during the game. I think he would have came back if it was a tournament game. Okay. Like, I, I, I thought during the, during the game, I was like, what the hell? Like, he's walking around without a limp. You could see him on TV. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't have a problem with them being careful with him. Now, patron Jonathan Toy one of the uh, few journalists we like, he texted me and said he really hopes that this doesn't affect the way he attacks the rim because he is you know, in line to make millions of dollars in a couple months. And he's got his first taste of an injury. Now, granted, it was a very slight injury, but uh, we hope that it just doesn't change his mentality because we need him banging around in the post, you know, going down a, in the lane where there's a bunch of feet you could fall on. Uh, widely asked, um, did I lose respect for Fulgerson after he got clowned on by famous players before the game and then played awful no because i remember what he did in rupp arena last year it's a dumb question dumb question uh people are awarded people are like they can afforded one bad game every now and then sure yeah i mean again i, I want to see how fulgerson responds tonight though yes i agree too it's a big game because for him there is always the possibility seth you talk about rupp arena there is always the possibility of these players especially the older they get the more accomplished they become that they uh, change what got them there. You know what I, I mean? agree. I agree. I do For- think him being the unquestioned man of the team coming into the season maybe changed, you know, yeah. Fulkerson a little bit. He needs to go back to just being like a dirty garbage. Right. T- you know, just like just doing all the a, nasty things. A dirty, long-haired East Tennessee boy that likes pals. Yeah, gets the put-back dunks, gets some points every now and then. Like, just get some, like, points because he out-hustles people. You know, that kind of thing. Just go back to being like a nasty player, John. That's why we loved you. You were a nasty, nasty player, and you looked absolutely awkward while you were doing it. We'll see tonight. And if you're listening to this podcast on Thursday, we saw last night, and I hope it was good news. All right, let's switch gears to uh, some football. What's the absolute latest? Are you still checked out? Uh, we're, I still don't. I mean, I don't know the latest. But I stopped reading the Vol football thread earlier today because, like, I couldn't keep up. I would read it, like, every 15 minutes and wouldn't have a clue what was going on. So, um, I I see nothing to make me think that, like, we are going to fire him today. Like, I've seen nothing today to make me think that we are going to fire him. I mean, you had the stuff with, like, Adam Rittenberg tweeting that out yesterday and then just, like, never saying anything about it again. And then you had the stuff with John Bryce that we know about. Um, shout out to brother John. He's a good man. Uh, so yesterday it seemed like there was some movement. Um, but then again, Pruitt also like had an offensive line coach in the building yesterday to interview him for the job. Now, granted, he can't make a hire 
And I would just want to point out that this is the offensive coach that this is the offensive line coach that you're trying to hire if you know you can only offer a one year contract and you need a favor from somebody. Because this guy stinks. This guy stinks. At, at, At what point did we ever watch the Cincinnati Bengals and say, you know what, that offensive line looks good? As they're carting Joe Burrow off the field. I was reading like the, the Cincinnati Bengals like Espionation website yesterday, and they had a post in the middle of last year talking about how awful Jim Turner is and how terrible he is. Now he never should have been hired, and just he he sucked everywhere he's ever been. And they're like, why are we still hiring this guy? And then they kept him and allowed his offensive line to ruin the knee of Joe Burrow. And we're gonna hire that guy. And to me, that just screams that like we're not getting anybody. Like you know, the two guys that Pruitt was linked to was a guy from what Hoover High School. Yeah, that he was at he was at Troy, right? But he like they have a relationship from Hoover, right? Yeah. So yeah, a, a but maybe not a buddy, but somebody he's familiar with. And then I don't know this Jim Turner guy, but I know he sucks. I don't know if he has any relationship to Pruitt or what. But like those aren't necessarily uh, big time offensive line hires. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Turner. I have no idea about Pew. He could be good. I mean, I, I have no idea. But like the Turner hire seems extremely underwhelming. I mean. You know, I guess it seems like now maybe Ansley's gonna go. He's leave Ansley's leaving too, which like I know that like Pruitt would love to hire and might have already hired Kevin Steele and Rodney Garner if like he was gonna be the coach next year for sure, but he hasn't been able to do that. Um so it seems like Ansley might leave. All right, so where are we saying that with Ansley? I saw people speculating that, but where's that coming from? Well, somebody said that Pruitt has already started interviewing defensive coordinator candidates. I saw that Brent Hub said that's not true. He said that he hasn't interviewed any defensive coordinator candidates, but he did. Then he went on to say that Ansley would have options, which obviously he would. I mean, Ansley's about to bop Shupas and jump off of a sinking ship and say, hey, I need to go somewhere better because he's far too young to stick around at UT. Now, I will say, like, Bob Shoup didn't really, like, end up saving his career. Ansley, I think, still has a chance to. Correct. I mean, I know Shoup had the one good year at Mississippi State, but like, you know, I don't even know where he's at now. Where's is, where's is... he is? Um, he most recently served as a safeties coach at the University of Michigan. Man, that's sad. A safeties coach? Yeah, I guess he's still there. A safeties coach? He, was... he had to go all the way down there. It's really weird because didn't he like win assistant coach of the year at Mississippi State? Yeah, he had him as a top level defense, and I mean, the guy. I believe that was the year they got like Simmons and uh, Montrez Sweat. But then again, I'm reading this article from the Detroit News. He, uh, Michigan safety's Bob, Michigan safety's coach Bob Shoup, who joined Jim Harbaugh staff in January and signed a two year deal, has not been coaching since September. Did he opt out? Did he say he didn't, he wasn't dealing with the COVID? Like, hey, screw this. But, but I mean, like, remember just, I mean, not to go on a Bob Shoup tangent, but like, when we hired him, we thought, yeah, he's a shoe in for the next Vanderbilt coach. And they yeah. went and hired a guy and he didn't even get thought of. No one even brought up Bob Shoup. Yeah. So Ansley's going to try to get out of there and save his career. That would make sense. Uh, if you're able to hire Kevin Steele, I mean, I think that's a name that would get people, I don't know about excited, but people would, you know, easily buy into that. People would get defensive. excited. People would get excited about Garner like it's still to the year 2000. Right. Um, You know. We've, we've but, maintained that the moment they start hiring coaches that, you know, this is, this is over and Pruitt's going back, but we still haven't hired any coaches. And it looks like the – Assistant coaches, vacancies are, you know, piling up. It could get as high as six. Seven. Well, so we have had, we obviously had the defensive line coach. Will Friend wasn't getting his contract renewed, so he left because he wasn't going to have a job at the end of this month. And it's the same with T. Martin and Brian Niedermeyer. Like, their contracts expire January the 31st. They are not being renewed. So they are both going to leave as well. So that's two more. So that's four total. And, you know, he, he, he cannot hire anyone, so he cannot fill the two assistant coach openings that he has, and he will have two more unless something were to happen with T where he renews his contract. But, I mean, based on what Hubs is saying, like, uh, T. Martin's not getting renewed. Uh, obviously, it's no surprise Niedermeyer's not. Uh, it does surprise me T. Martin's not getting renewed at the University of Tennessee, but maybe T. doesn't want to be renewed. Yeah, maybe T doesn't want to be thought of with this losing regime, and he'll go try to find somewhere else and come back at some point. Yeah, so maybe T wants to go somewhere else. I mean, I'm thinking that Alabama might have a wide receivers coach opening. Man, wouldn't that be something? Because their coach is, uh, 
I think Sark might try to take Alabama's wide receiver coach with him or is going to try and take Alabama's wide receiver coach with him. So T could go there. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, so that's probably four guys. I mean, is Wink, are they really going to bring Winky back? Like, yeah, and then you're talking about the defense coordinator, and who knows about the offense coordinator with Cheney. I mean, the whole staff could be turned over. Like, so who are you like? Who are you going to have back? You're going to have Jay Graham back, who who by the way cannot recruit off the off the campus, which I know nobody can right now. But if it was a normal year, he couldn't recruit off the campus, or maybe that penalty's over now. You're going to have Shelton Felton back. Um, who is our defensive backs coach? I thought Ansley, Ansley is. Ansley yeah, is, yeah. I thought Ansley was. Um, you're gonna have Cheney back. Woo! So you're gonna have three coaches back. The staff sucks. The you know Bryce Thompson is our one of our only redeeming qualities in the secondary. He's gone. He's going pro. You got nothing on defense at all to look forward to. Other nothing. Than, you know, I like watching Henry T play against the run. That's about it. I like him. I like watching him run downhill. That's yep. all. Come fill the gap. Henry, I like seeing that. But other than that, there's nothing on defense I like watching. That is um, not a slight at Henry T. I think if Henry T played for Alabama, he would end up being like a first or second round draft pick. He would be a monster. And we'll see if he's still around by the time all the, the dust settles. Who knows how many transfers are still coming. So. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing. It's like Tennessee's already missed out on, they missed out on Bailey Zapp, who transferred to Western Kentucky, so maybe Tennessee really didn't want him. But they missed out on Jack Cohn, who they wanted. And... They're going to keep missing out on transfers. Now, I don't particularly, of all the guys that have entered the transfer portal from Tennessee side, I'm not particularly upset about any of them. I won't say I'm upset, but I will say, you know, DeAndre Johnson was probably our best defensive lineman all year. Yeah. We lost our best secondary guy all year. So, like, from that perspective, it's not good. But also, like... But those guys went pro. Like, Taylor and Bryce Thompson went pro. No, I mean, Johnson went to Miami. No, I'm talking about the secondary guys. Okay, yeah, yeah. Thompson Thompson went pro. Johnson went uh, to Miami. I will say, like, I didn't care about JT Stroud leaving. Obviously, I didn't care about Garantano leaving. But I will say that if, uh, you know, if they do fire Pruitt and Harrison Bailey's dad's already tweeted out that they're leaving, there is a scenario where we're just looking at Brian Maurer as our only remaining quarterback. Yeah, and I'm going to go how ahead. Was, and how I'm, was he the last one standing? I'm going to go ahead, and I might be proven completely wrong and have egg on my face, but I'm going to go ahead and call bullshit on the Pruitt dad thing. Like, I'm sorry, man. You might have wanted to come play for Pruitt, and that was one of the reasons why Harrison chose Tennessee, but he likes Tennessee, first of all. And second of all, you don't just transfer away from being the starting quarterback from one of the big six SEC schools, okay? Like, where are you going to go, Harrison? Where are you going to go that allows you to start day one that's as prominent as UT? There's nowhere. So go ahead and say what you want. You can want Pruitt to stay around, but he's not leaving. Like, it would just be a monumentally stupid thing to do. And if he's that stupid to do it, then go, fine. We will take our licks with Caden Salter. But he's not leap. Like, you just don't walk away from the starting quarterback position of one of the big six SEC schools. You just don't do it. I mean, like, that, you know, I mean, whatever. Like, you know, like, Tennessee is just, this, it always stuns, even after all these years, it always stuns how poorly Tennessee can handle things. Oh, we're awful. We are terrible. We can't do anything right. Like, the more, like, the longer, and I know Brent Hub said already today that this is going to drag out to next week. Every day that this goes on, it makes life harder for whoever is coaching the team in 2021. Because if it's Pruitt, he can't go get transfers. Correct. Or He can't or hire assistant, assistant coaches. coaches. Yeah, or any good assistant coaches. He can't do either of those two things, and they're going to sign a, a class on the smallest side for the transfer market. And if it's a new coach, like, he's going to have less and less time to do things before the signing day, whatever he wants to do. He's going to have less and less time to go get transfers on the coaching market. And if you do keep Pruitt, then it makes life harder for the next coach in 2022. Like, it just, like, Fulmer has still not said anything. The only thing that's been said is the university released a statement basically because VolQuest harassed them into releasing one because they kept asking Plowman for a statement. 
And so finally, they released like a two-paragraph thing that didn't say anything we didn't know. Fulmer said nothing. I saw somebody say that everyone wants Pruitt gone except Fulmer. He's the one that's that's keeping him there. And I just, I don't believe that for one, because if he's the only one that still wants Pruitt around, like, he would have been fired. Yeah, no, Fulmer doesn't have that swing in there anymore. Yeah, Fulmer doesn't have that much pull, like... Like, he would be canned. His ass would have been canned by now if Randy Boyd and, and Plowman were that set on firing him. Now, like, I think you can probably trust Boyd more than anybody there. And he probably, I would, if I had to guess, I would say he wants Pruitt gone. And I would say that he would also could be just like, hey, I'm going to trust Fulmer here for a second. but Or just like been neutral. Or like neutral, just like, hey, we'll wait and see what happens. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to let my guys do what I hired them to do or, you know, what I employ them to do. Maybe like, he believes you- in that. You just like you can like there. It's very easy to see a way where Tennessee waits so long on the investigation to take place that by the time it's finally concluded, the the point is already moot. You have to fire him because you're going to miss out on all the transfers. You're not going to be able to hire any assistant coaches. Like somebody will hire Kevin Steele and Rodney Garner. Like you're going to miss out on everyone. Seth, the last thing I'll say about it is think about the last time something good has happened to Tennessee as a, you know, as a program, as an athletic department, I would probably say that was what? Rick Barnes deciding to stay at Tennessee and signing a contract extension? Yeah. Think about what a shit show that was. Yeah. Where I mean, I mean, like, he was all but gone to UCLA and openly admitting he was all gone to UCLA, but basically UCLA just wouldn't pay him. Like that's, no, it that's was where Ra- Randy, there because Randy Boyd, it. Randy Boyd is the reason he didn't take that job. Oh, no, I understand, but I'm saying, like, he has said, like, hey, UCLA didn't pony up. Pony up. If yeah. they would have cut the check, I would have been there. Like, Fulmer tried to get him to go. Fulmer did not keep him. And that's just, like, we we had that was coming off of a season where we're ranked number one in the country. And, look, you could argue whether or not, like, how good Barnes is. You know, we have been very critical of Barnes. We're not yeah. huge Barnes fans. We probably would have been okay if he went to UCLA at the time. But I'm just saying that's the last good thing that's happened to Tennessee. Yeah, I remember thinking at the time, like, I would have been, like, I wouldn't have been, like, too torn up about him leaving. But... I also knew that regardless of my personal feelings, Tennessee basically had to keep Rick Barnes. Like, this is not a blue blood. Like, you almost, like, I, Rick Barnes has Tennessee yet again as a top 10 team. He signs nothing but top 50 players now. Like, you just have to deal with the, the negatives of it. And we talk about the negatives a lot, and you have to appreciate the highs and lows. Like, Tennessee really couldn't let Rick Barnes walk, I don't think. And like, well, I mean, it would have been really bad for Fulmer, especially like just being fresh on the job. Yeah, and Fulmer was just going to let it happen, and Fulmer was just going to let it happen. It's like that's the one thing you have going right for you. You don't even have women's basketball going right for you, Phil. Like, but you had men's basketball. They were ranked number one, and you were just going to let them go until Randy Boyd stepped in and was like, "No, I'm tired of seeing coaches leave Tennessee. I'm going to give him more money, and he can have my personal plane for X amount of hours per month for personal visits." Like, it, it just, they cannot do anything. Yeah, the, the Rick Barnes thing was a total shit show. Like, and like I said, that's the best thing that's happened to us, and it was a complete and utter disaster that we just got lucked into that UCLA was broke. I don't know when the investigation is going to end. Like, it's just, it. Tennessee fans are going crazy. Like, Tennessee fans are going crazy because we thought that, like, the Sunday, I remember the Sunday after the A&M game, when the investigation had been fully fleshed out and like it had come to light fully, I remember thinking after that Texas A&M game, yeah, they're going to fire him. Like, because things really felt like they were going to fire him. I mean, what day was that game played? Like, December the 18th or December the 11th or something like that? I mean, it's January the 6th. This is three or four weeks of just sitting here and waiting with no news because nobody has come out and said anything of note. Nobody knows anything. The only thing that we've really had come out in the last two weeks is that we hired this dude from like Kansas city or whatever, who they like call the grim reaper, but LSU's hired him three times in like the last decade. And each time they've hired him, they didn't fire the coach that was under investigation. So it's not like even a done deal that we're going to fire this dude because we hired this, this lawyer. Like just, it's just a nightmare. Let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. My fantasy football boys, I got your money coming soon. I got some of you paid. I'm working on getting all of you paid. Just don't worry. Hold tight. I'll get you your winnings. My bad. That's on me. 
I'm working on it. Congratulations to all the winners. The season just ended last week. Just give me a break. I'm working on it. Love you guys. Shout out to the new patrons. Let's start with a new $2 patron, Brock Miller. Shout out to Brother Brock. We love you and appreciate you. And we hope you have a blessed 2021. We do. New $2 patron, Adam Mestash. Shout out to his last name. Mestock. Sorry, Adam. Shout out to Brother Adam. We love you and appreciate you. And we hope you have a blessed 2021. New $5 patron, Curtis Brotherton. Shout out to Brother Curtis Brotherton. We love you and appreciate you. And we hope you have a blessed 2021. Uh, new $5 patron, Brian Powers. Shout out to Brother Brian. We love you and appreciate you. And we hope you have a blessed 2021. Uh, Jared Painter upped his pledge from $2 to $5. Shout out to Brother Jared. We love you and appreciate you. And we hope you have a blessed 2021. Uh, new $5 patron, Alex Hill. Shout out to Brother Alex. We love you and appreciate you. He actually took advantage of Patreon's new option. Uh, for new patrons, you can uh, pay for a year up front. So he went ahead and took care of that. So he's actually a $52.80 patron. Shout out to Alex. Appreciate him. Uh, new $10 patron, Brother Cole. Shout out to Brother Cole. We love you and appreciate you. And new $20 patron, Ben Gibson. Shout out to Brother Ben. We love you and appreciate you. And we hope you have a blessed 2021. All of you. We love you. We appreciate you. All right, let's hit to some questions real quick. Seth, what do you got for us? Um... Brother Jackie, the law dog, would like to know. (laughs) Let's say you get to take the eight Lady Vols titles and six claimed football titles and redistribute them amongst football and men's and women's basketball. Where are you putting them? So that's 14 total. 14 women's basketball titles. 14 total titles amongst the two. I'm giving a lot of the women's basketball. Congrats to Pat. I am going to give 10 of the titles to the men's football team. Well, the football team. And I'm going to give four to the men's basketball team. Wow, this is disrespectful. I would like to see four banners hanging from TBA for the men's basketball team. Wow, just completely whitewashing. Wiping out a legend, an icon, a pioneer of the sport. Yes. Really the best thing that Tennessee's had the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. The thing we're probably best known for. That at least, at least uh, we have uh, the highest approval rating for. You're just wiping her out. Yeah. I am, yeah. How, you know, the, the question's important to me is like how, when do the titles come? If I say like, is it going to be like one of those bedazzled things? You know, like every time you make a wish, something bad happens. Like, hey, I'd love to have 10 college football championships. Like, okay, well, you win them all like in 1910. Yeah, I think like for sure, like it's much more important for these four Final Fours to be from like 1990 on, like Florida's are. Right. Um, you know, for sure, like, that's something I would want. Like, I mean, I've just watched enough movies, Seth, where you gotta be careful what you wish for. They'll find a loophole. You'll get, you'll get cheated somehow. It's just, I really just want a final four. Even Mississippi state has one. South Carolina has one, bro. South Carolina has one. Like, why can't we have one? We might get one this year. We might. Probably not, but we might. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would want them more in the recent history than past. Okay, next question. Brother Slim, how do people that are born deaf know what words, letters they're learning with sign language? So, you know, I don't know. We actually had this conversation at the dinner table um, about 10 days ago when my youngest sister, Allie, was absolutely adamant that Helen Keller basically was just a fake. It was a psyop. She didn't exist because how can somebody that's blind, deaf, and mute go on to become a dirty, nasty communist that is like, you know, joins the international workers of the world? She's like, this lady didn't know how to speak. She couldn't see. She couldn't hear. How does she know what socialism is? I'm not even totally sure what socialism is, and I can see, speak, and hear. How does she know what socialism is? If you didn't know that Helen Keller was a communist, now you do. She was. And so I don't know. It's a good question, Slim. I have no idea. Like, how did Helen Keller know all that? How, how could Helen Keller write books? Tell me that. How could she write books? We've all seen that movie where, like, she, where she is, like, able to say the word water when her, like, teacher puts her hand under the spigot in the yard and she's, like, saying water. We've all seen that movie. Like, I don't know, Slim. But I have a lot of, I have a lot of questions about it and I have a lot of thoughts about it, thanks to my youngest sister. I have seen that movie. Did they make us watch that in school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Which I didn't know. I didn't know if like you would have to watch it. Like she's from, she was from Alabama, so like it makes sense why I had to watch in elementary school because we had to learn. We learned a lot about Helen Keller. I'm pretty sure I've seen it somewhere. I'm but they did. Sure they did. They. You know what they don't tell you in school? They don't tell you Helen Keller was a communist. But I do, and now you know. Don't even get me started on Anne Frank. I brought that up to Allie too. Um, the ballpoint pen. Well, I just said, you know, let's there's a lot move of, on. Let's yeah, it's probably, it's probably, um, a coup going on right now. We don't need to be associated with the, with anything like that. Let's move on. Um, user Jim Bob Pooter. Uh, is this Davey? And I believe that's brother, uh, it's brother Mike, ain't it? Oh, okay. That's Micah. Okay. He wants to know if we like no, fishing. No, 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 not, oh. not Micah. Oh, just, okay. Just Mike. Oh, and Mike, my bad. I can't keep up with all the name changes. He would like to know, do we like fishing? I'm not a big I'm not a big uh, fishing guy. I'm not a big fisherman. My favorite part about fishing was when I was younger, we'd go uh, be fishing, and we'd be fishing with raw corn, and I would just sit there and eat the whole can of raw corn myself. Love raw corn. Just the raw, sweet corn, just eating it. Just uncooked, juicy, just... I'd put a couple on my fishing hook, and then I would just eat the rest of it myself. Um, Brother Taylor and M. My dad would yell at me, stop eating that, it's going to make you sick, and I wouldn't care. Brother Taylor M. would like to know if eyebrows are facial hair. Uh, I do not consider eyebrows facial hair. But what are they? But I guess technically that they are. They are hair on your face. They are hair on your face. Gonna have to go with yes here. It's a fair question. It's a good question by Taylor. This makes you think. Um, Jonah would... Jonah has some personal things to iron out with you for not going to his New Year's gathering. Um, apparently, uh, brother, the real Bryce, would you rather have three more years of Pruitt or any of the recently fired NFL head coaches? O'Brien, Marone, Adam Gase. What a shitty question this is. The big dude who got fired at the Lions. Uh, I would probably, I would take Anthony Lynn. I think Anthony Lynn's not terrible. This, uh, this, this is a real catch 22 here. I would take Anthony Lynn over Jeremy Pruitt. The players do seem to love Anthony Lynn. Maybe he needs to go to college. I didn't think he really deserved to get fired. He's so bad at game management. I know we've forgotten about it because they won four in a row, and his he has an overall winning record. He did take them to 12-4 and four that one year. But he is so bad at game managing. He's so bad at game managing. I guess but, and the other but thing the is— the players do seem to love him, so he might be a good college coach. I just didn't think, like, I watched that—I watched— like, I remember as the season went on, people were talking about his job not being secure. And I was like, man, it seems crazy that, that they'd fire him. And then they played the Bills. And, like, I thought he was just awful against the Bills because, like, it didn't even seem like he cared one bit. And the Bills just, like, goofed off and beat him pretty easily. So I was like, okay, I can see why they want to fire him. But then you, like, you look at his whole, like, record and it just, I don't know, man. But I they guess have, when you have a They've had a, have a lot chip. of talent. They've had a lot of talent in L.A. Yeah. So, yeah, I would take Anthony Lynn. I will put that on the record right now. I would not take Doug Marone or Adam Gase over why, Jeremy Pruitt. Why do we love Doug Marone so much? Fulmer has a hard on for him. Why? Why? Because he the coached only, here what, under Fulmer one only, year. But only one year. I don't know why. It's Phil Fulmer. Every time we have an opening, someone talks about Doug Marone, and I'm just like, how is this a realistic option? What are we talking I don't, about here? I, I don't think it is. Like, I just think that, like... I mean, Hobbs is saying that Fulmer called him in 2017. Yeah, that seems crazy, too. But I think that was the year they were getting ready to go to the Super Bowl, right? I mean, that's... Or uh, went to the AFC Championship. Yeah, that's true. And that we were going to hire him if we didn't hire Butch in 2012. Doug Marone, a guy who is, you know, 25 and 25 at Syracuse. Yeah. I Look, I, I know some people... Want Bill O'Brien? I do not want Bill O'Brien. I do not want any. I would rather have Jeremy Pruitt than Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien is my Greg Schiano from the last coaching search. He's I have my... seen, like, I have seen and watched how Bill O'Brien builds a team because he was general manager. I want nothing to do with Bill O'Brien. The good news is he wouldn't have draft picks here to trade, but still, no, no thanks on Bill O'Brien. I mean, I, I want nothing to do with him. They, the best year he had was eleven and five, and they lost in the wild card game. And he just seems like a real asshole. Yeah, I, I want nothing to do with him. I saw he was in Tuscaloosa the other day. Is he going to be their new offense coordinator? That's what the uh, the thought process is. So I would, of the fired coaches, I would take Anthony Lynn. 
that seems absurd to me. Uh, who else got fired? What's the dude's name from the lines? Matt Patricia. He's no, we don't. We don't. I would not take Matt Patricia. I would not take Matt Patricia because I'm tired of ugly coaches. All right, who else do we have? There, there were six openings. Who else is there? There's uh, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Falcons, the Falcons. Uh, Raheem Morris. No, Dan Quinn was fired by them. Well, yeah, but well, I guess Raheem Morris isn't bringing, being brought back. So uh, I, I I would not take Dan Quinn. I oh, mean, it, like if Dan Quinn, you're a defensive guy and the defense is absolute dog shit. No. Uh Ray Morris was pretty bad in Tampa Bay. Well, I guess he had one year that was good. Um, they went ten and six and finished third in the division. I don't know. I'm gonna say no to everyone but Anthony Lynn. I really like Anthony Lynn. Give me three years of Anthony Lynn over Jeremy Pruitt, I guess. And like Anthony <laughs> so Lynn, bad at game management. You know, like the, the players love Anthony Lynn. Um, he has like perfect teeth, so he's like a he's like not ugly. You know. He's not ugly. I'm really tired of ugly coaches. Fair enough. I, I want somebody that I at least think is handsome. Well, actually, I say that I want somebody who I just don't get disgusted by when I look at him. But that is a great question, and I am all in on Anthony Lynn. I didn't expect us to end up here. I didn't either. Uh, West Tennessee Ben, he would like to know if you are sad that Caillou got canceled off of PBS. That's just a joke about me being bald with a, with a round face. If I had known that it was about the joke, I wouldn't have asked. I'm sorry. Have you ever heard of John Dillermand, Seth? I don't think so. Along the same lines as Country Kau, however the hell you say his name, I was reading a story today about uh, a Danish PBS show called John Dillerman about a man with the world's largest penis. I see that now. Enrages parents. Is mad, yeah, has made parents very mad because it's supposed to be like an educational PBS show and there's this guy running around with a 20-foot dick and it gets himself into some trouble. At one point, I watched a clip of it after the radio show and he had his penis tied around a dog's neck as a leash and the dog was walking through the park and he stopped and yelled at some kids for a second. The show's creator, Jacob Lay, a father of two young girls and a boy, claimed the show is about removing shame and embarrassment when it came to our bodies without sexualization. However, Denmark's conservative crusaders have criticized the concept The Guardian reported. Yeah, yeah, if it wasn't for those pesky conservative crusaders, they're the real issue here. They're the real issue. Like, I mean, what? that's terrible framing. That is just terrible phrasing. Like, it's not the, it's not, like, yeah, decent parents didn't want their children watching a show where the guy's penis is wrapped around a dog's neck. Those stupid conservatives. I mean, what the hell is this channel thinking? Derek says, no question. Just want to say he really enjoys the Discord and that everyone's funny. Shout out to Derek. Maybe our most handsome quarter. He is very handsome. I would let Derek be... You know what? If I couldn't hire Anthony Lynn, I'm hiring Derek. You're going with the Cliff Kingsbury method, huh? I'm going with the Cl- Cliff Kingsbury method, yeah. Please note Cliff Kingsbury has had Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, <laughs> Kyler Murray and never won more than eight games, just for the record. Whew, man. What a collapse by them. Yeah, he's terrible. He's awful. Techball wants to know Ohio State-Alabama prediction. Uh, I don't – I think Ohio State has all this going for them. I think they have the momentum. They're playing really well. I – I don't see anyone beating Alabama. No, Alabama's going to beat them by two scores. Alabama just seems too good. <laughs> Brother BMV wants to know if Jonathan Taylor will be a top five running back going into next season. I would say if the Colts can just improve their offensive line, then maybe. It's, all, it's going to come down to the offensive line for them. Um, I am actually rooting for the Colts against your Bill, Seth. Are you okay with that? That's fine, yeah. You nervous about the game? No. I mean, I'm not nervous about the game, no. Like, you- I mean, I've watched like every I've watched every Bills game. Like I want them to win, but like it's like I get nervous for Tennessee football games. Yeah, yeah, big Titans Ravens game. I understand. Uh, Rod wants to know you could pick one former Vaughn in the last twenty years to have on this year's basketball team. Who do you pick? Allen Houston, easy. I don't think Allen Houston was the last twenty years. Oh yeah, you're right. It's twenty twenty one. No, he wasn't. Um, okay, he was early nineties. He was early nineties. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a dummy. Six maybe. In the last twenty years, I'm just going with Chris Lofton. 
Yeah, that seems like the easy pick, doesn't it? I mean, I just want somebody to stretch the floor. And uh, he was a perfect through. college player. Yeah. One time think, during... I don't think I'd have to watch Victor Bailey go 0 for 5 if we had Chris Lofton. Yeah, I, Chris Lofton. As a matter Lofton of fact, is, I know this is even a part of the question. No disrespect to Brother Bailey. Let's just trade out Victor Bailey for Chris Lofton, and this team will be a lot better. Yeah. I was... One time during quarantine, like the last, you know, endless 10 months, I was up late one night and I was I had gotten on Chris Lofton's Twitter and was just like scrolling down and had gone back like months just reading stuff and I had found like clips of him like from his high school football career he was a badass wide receiver he was an amazing high school wide receiver it's pretty wild to watch because he's really not that tall but he was just like clowning on people as a wide receiver but yeah Chris Lofton's the answer I would love to see him play in this era and just get to jack up 12 threes a game yeah, I mean, like he's just such a good college player. Uh, Brother Cutley would like to know how many more fifteen hundred yard seasons does King Henry have left in him? John, it's a tough question. I would bet if you if you set the over under at one and a half, I would still bet the over. I would too. We're la- we're watching our last traditional running back that'll make the Hall of Fame. Seth, how does it make you feel? This is the last traditional NFL Hall of Fame running back. I, I like watching Derrick Henry a lot. I like him. I mean, he seems like we've heard all these throughout his entire career, going back to when he was like a recruit. We've always heard the dur, you know, durability, durability, because he had so many damn carries in in high school, and then Alabama just fed him like crazy. And it's like the dude seems like he's more durable than literally anyone. So until like he shows signs of breaking down, like I'm gonna think that he's still going to be really, really good. Yeah, like, yeah, he's going to get slower as he gets older, but how old is he, 26? Like, if if the over-under is one and, a, uh, one and a half, like, I'm taking the over for sure. Um, uh, You know, getting to three would be tough, but I think he's got I think he's got two in him. So, yeah, he definitely seems like he's on pace for a Hall of Fame career. And he uh, just turned 27. His birthday is the same as my mama's on January 4th, so happy birthday to... Uh, a uh, very important person in my life that's brought me a lot of joy, taken care of me, done a lot for me. I appreciate you, Derek Henry. And I love you too, Mom. Happy birthday. Um, Well, Nug Seeker would like to know, how do we feel about Barnes' rotation and handling playing time this far? Listen to the first 15 minutes of the podcast. He posted that before you asked, before you, or he asked that question before. I know he did. Way. I know he did. That's I know just, he did. You, you, you set him up for failure there. He's already heard his question answered. Um, We're worried, okay? We're worried. Uh, right, Hank. Good, good pie. Oh, you got one more? Okay. No, I don't. We, we, can, we can skip Hank's question. It's not any good. All right, we're up to an hour. I mean, we, we get yeah. people what they wanted. I'm getting ready yeah. to get this edited. Got a, the NFL podcast coming back. Corey Gunkel finally uh, has returned from whatever hiatus he was on. Yeah. Got to do that. Get that up. Got to do the voluntary reaction after the game who, tonight. I, who do the Saints play? The just Bears. At three hour, just at three hours of radio. I'm going to be so tired of talking by the time uh, 10 o'clock rolls around tonight. Yeah, well, I would like to know your NFL predictions for the weekend. Okay. Uh, game by game. I, I like the Colts to keep it close. Give me the Colts and the points. I actually think the Colts might win that game. Okay. Uh, what's the second game? Uh, Rams, Seahawks. If Goff plays, I think the Rams are going to win. Okay. Although, even if Goff doesn't play, I don't know how effective that guy will be since there's no crowd in Seattle. Like, I just think Seattle's... I saw a stat that, like, in the two games they've played, um, Jalen Ramsey has allowed one catch for 11 yards to DK Metcalf. Yeah, he's pretty good. He, like, shuts him completely down. So, (laughs) you know, I feel like that could really uh, bring that game to even. So, I kind of like the Rams there. Uh, The night game, Tampa. Tampa. Uh, Titans are going to win. They're going to beat the Ravens. Not worried about that at all. I guess I'll say the Saints win one round. How do we feel about that game, Saints or Bears? I, you know, I don't know because like I, st- I don't think the Saints are very good. And this would be the ultimate boss. This would be the ultimate bad quarterback that could beat Drew Brees in the playoffs. He has lost three straight playoff games to Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum, and Jared Goff. So this could be, this could be it. Mr. Trubisky could be that that final. The fourth horseman, if you will. But, like, the Bears, I just don't... Yeah. I mean, they're the Bears. I think the Saints will win. All year long, or the last, like, half of the year, I thought the Steelers would lose their first playoff game. I got to admit, now that it's here, and the Browns are there, and they got the COVID, uh, 
I'm a little worried, but I like the Browns to keep it close at least. Yeah. All right, Brother Seth. I love The you. Bills will not be losing Saturday. Sorry, BMV. The, the, Phillip Rivers ain't going to be able to do shit in the cold. The Bills will be winning. I know. I'm just worried they're going to give Jonathan Taylor the ball a whole bunch, though. Yeah, Bills' defense is good now, though. They're good at stopping the run? Are we sure? They're a whole lot better than they were because everyone's well, I know, healthy. Cause the, ti- the Titans, well, the Titans didn't really do it on the ground, but Kansas City you know, ran right down their throat that one game. Yeah, but the, the Bills don't have four defensive starters out now. Okay, I mean that's fine. I didn't know what, I didn't know what was going on in their life. Yeah, I mean they finally have everyone healthy for the first time. Well, they've had everybody healthy in like the last month, which they've been playing pretty well. Are you worried so, about brother Josh Allen? No. Until 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 he wins a playoff game, though, he's got he's got that Lamar Jackson type of that feel to him. He's 0-1 in the playoffs. I know. Lamar Jackson was 0-1 in the playoffs until he lost the, his second time there, too. Yeah, that's not exactly It's, a, it's pretty similar. The uh, Ravens were the best team in the NFL by far last the year. The Bills are playing like the best team in the NFL right now. They are, which is why they're not going to lose Saturday. And Well, I know. You just said the Ravens were, and they lost. Yeah, but like... Checkmate. L- Lamar, and t- like it's, it's totally different because Lamar just doesn't throw. Lamar was Stephon the MVP, Diggs. bro. He was the MVP last year. Yeah, he was. That's why it's not the same. That's and why it's not chose. the same. Josh Allen's playing at a high level. You know, he's he did some dumb things in the playoffs last year. I'm just I'm just asking if you're nervous. You don't sound nervous, but okay. Oh yeah, he did. He was he lost his mind in the playoffs last year. I know, but I he's been a totally got... different quarterback all year this year. I know, but that's fine. So was Lamar. Lamar lost his mind in the playoffs his first time, and then he came back and won a, a freaking MVP. Listen, here's the thing. Will the Bills have the best player on the field Saturday? Yes. That's an easy question, an easy answer. Yes, they have Stephon Diggs. The Colts do not. The Colts have some dude named Jonathan Taylor who played at Wisconsin who is fine, I'm sure. But I love Phillip Rivers. He's from Athens, Alabama, just like me, but it's going to be cold. Look, brother, I'm telling you. Look, I hate the Colts a lot, but I'm just saying DeForest Buckner's pretty fucking good. Yeah. Yeah, Bills will win. Bills that, win. That, Bill, that that Colts defense is running around saying the right things. I don't know. Frank Reich was on that Eagles team that won the Super Bowl, and he's saying the right things. Talking about how I do like I do like Frank a lot. I do like Frank he's a talking lot. about how nobody's picking him, nobody's giving him a chance. I don't know. I think that's a pretty dangerous thing. I, I'm nervous for you, Seth. I'm nervous for you. I'm sure you're just eat up with with the idea of the two seed in the AFC getting bounced early. You know. Just, just something to uh, to think about. I mean, there's a very realistic possibility it happens. Then the Colts would have to go to Kansas City, and you know who knows? Maybe the Browns beat the Steelers, and the Titans are hosting a second round playoff game. Who knows? Then, yeah. Then, then maybe the Colts run down Kansas City's throat. Maybe it's Colts Titans in Nashville with a chance to go to the Super Bowl on the line. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I'm thinking that the I would Bills be a nervous wreck that that day. By the way, yeah, that would be pretty awful. Colts for you. Titans AFC Championship. Oof, I'd be pretty nervous. <laughs> Goodbye, Brother Seth. I love you. I love you. Later. See ya. Twenty twenty one. We can have some fun. Maybe we could run. I could be the one. Maybe you're the one. It's time to go hard for you. Love me. Maybe I love you. I don't want no one else but you. Oh, twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. We can have some fun. Maybe we could run. I could be the one, maybe you're the one Make it's time to go hard for you Love me, maybe I love you I don't want no one else but you Do you wanna fall in love? We don't gotta make it so hard I don't mean to act so cold It's just an excuse to let you go
21 We can have some fun, maybe we can run I could be the one